Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service. Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. What is up? I want to welcome you to the Connect Podcast. Today, we're going to be continuing in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 26. And really what Acts 14 has been talking about, it's been talking about worship. It's been talking about unity. Paul has been talking to us about unity in worship. Think about worship for a minute. Let's talk about, define what is worship. We say worship is our response to all God is and all he has done. So God is the initiator of worship. He's the one who made us. He's the one who created uh, all that there is. And we see so much that we can give praise to him for. It's not just about what he's done. It's about who he is. But worship happens when we set our heart's affection and our mind's attention on God. And worship is not just confined to a worship service, but it is uh, it is 24-7. It's what happens not just on Sunday, but happens every day of the week and weekend. That is worship. Now, we have talked about this principle, and he's going to continue this in this next uh, next part of this passage, but that is that spiritual gifts in worship are for the purpose of building up the church, not just for our own individual fulfillment or pleasure. They are for the good of all. So I want to begin in 1 Corinthians 14, beginning in verse 26. It says this, What shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or her word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes, To someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. I'm just picturing what it must have been like in this Corinthian church as um, Paul is having to address this issue. To them of the, the kind of <laughs> the chaos and confusion that, that they were experiencing in their worship service. So much so that uh, a guest 
would walk in to the service. And can you imagine a first time guest walking in and all they hear is this loud cacophony of gibberish and noise and mumbo jumbo and all of this. Everyone was just doing their own thing. They were all talking all at the same time. So this is a sign of pride, of being puffed up, of being self-centered, of being super spiritual, and it caused division in the church. You know, everybody says, listen to me, I've got something to say, uh, you know, and they're trying to one up each other and it's all about them instead of what the service should be marked with love and respect and humility, unity, and just building one another up. They, they were totally uh, not acting in an in a, uh, orderly type of way. And so I think the key to this passage right here is in verse 33 that says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. God is a God of peace. And so in our worship, there should be a sense of peace and there should be peace, not only between us and God, but between us and other Christians that we are living in peace together. We're worshiping in peace together. And the thing is, you know, in worship, And I can understand in this Corinthian church, you know, now all of a sudden they had all this freedom and we have freedom to worship and there's freedom in our services to express yourself and to, you know, to lift your hands and to sing and to pray and all of these things. But we don't have freedom to disrupt somebody else's worship. We don't have freedom to cause chaos and confusion in a worship service. So, um, you know, when, when things are disorganized, that doesn't build up the church, and that doesn't present uh, a good message or a good look and really help people to understand the gospel if they come into the service. And you know, at the Connection Church, uh, we say this every week. I usually say, you know, we are a family expecting guests, and we know that that everyone is involved, and we all are benefiting from the service. But there's just something in a service about welcoming those who are on the outside that come in. And God has always blessed us at the Connection Church that people are checking us out for the first time, whether it is in our in-person services or whether it's online. And we know that's happening because I'm talking to people in person every week who are saying, I started watching online. And so God is using that. It's so funny. We're talking about order in worship and uh, people, you've heard people who've said before, I don't like organized religion. <laughs> and I say, well, you'll love us because we're so disorganized. But but in truth, there's there is order and there's structure and there's a plan behind it all. Uh and so so uh he begins to talk, Paul begins to talk about guidelines for worship. And he says it's just important that there is an order in worship. And so For example, he's talking about spiritual gifts. You know, he's talking about the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy. He says, the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets in um, in verse, what is that, verse 32. And so, you know, if I have the gift of prophecy or what we said today, that is preaching or uh, proclaiming the word of God, you know, I'm not just going to go in and say whatever 
I think to be true and not listen to someone who would come along and say, hey, you may have been off base there or that didn't quite make any sense. You know, I want to know, okay, how can I improve so I have a stronger message so that I'm clearer in um, what what it is I'm saying, right? Um, And so uh, we use our gifts, but we use them in humility and we have to have a teachable attitude because we never want to just preach our own thoughts or our own ideas. We want to preach God's ideas and God's word. And that's the that's the the key to the whole thing, you know, that we're preaching the word of God and the truth of the word of God. We don't want to just filter it through our own experience or our own lens, but through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, now, verse 33 talks about uh, peace. You know, the God is not a God of, of, of disorder, but of peace. And so we have to humble ourselves before God. Worship should help us get a clearer picture of God, of who God is. It's a picture of who God is. And so when you go to a worship service, you're participating in a service. uh, How does this service picture the character of God? It's not just about attracting a crowd. If a worship service was just about attracting a crowd, then, you know, we could uh, bring in um, you know, the, uh, the, the circus, right? You bring in some, some trapeze artists and some, uh, jugglers and different things (laughs) and you might attract a crowd, but it's not just about attracting a crowd. It's about saying, you're saying something about who God is. Now, here's the thing. However, in different times in history, in, in different, with different age groups, with different language groups or different cultures, uh, people receive um, messages or expressions differently. Music is, is uh, you know, there's different music tastes. I was just imagining if someone from actually from the New Testament came into one of our services today, there would be a lot of things that they just didn't understand. Like just imagine they were just dropped into one of our worship services uh, you know, just the fact that we have electricity, right? Uh, we have amplification of uh, our music and our speaking. We have modern instruments and we have lights and all of these things. These are stylistic, but they're tools that we use to share the message of the good news of Jesus with our culture. And so some people they say, well, all I like is the old hymns. I just want us to sing the old hymns because I feel like that's the most worshipful thing. Well, that's probably true for them. You know, um, some people don't want to hear the old hymns. They just want the new modern songs and because that's how they worship best. And that's, you know, good for them. But uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.19 that there's different kinds of uh expressions of music and worship. He says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So there's some songs that are just straight from the words of the Bible, like in the Psalms, and those are songs of worship to God. But but we tend to assume that our favorite style is God's favorite style. And God actually looks at the heart. So there's this... Um, 
there's this old joke that I thought I would resurrect. Uh, <laughs> you probably have heard it, and, and it's kind of irrelevant these days because we, we've moved past all of this stuff, but uh, there's this story of this old farmer that went to the city one weekend and attended this big church, and he came home. His wife asked him, well, how was it? And the farmer said, it was good. They did something different. They sang uh, praise songs instead of hymns. <laughs> and his wife said, praise songs? What, what are those? The farmer said, well, they're okay. They're like hymns. They're just different. The wife said, well, what's the difference? The farmer said, well, it's like this. If I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, that would be a hymn. But if I were to say to you, Martha, 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 oh, Martha, 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 the cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows, the white cows, the black and white cows, the cows, the cows, the cows, the cows are in the corn, are in the corn, are in the corn, are in the corn, the corn, corn, corn. Then if I were to repeat the whole thing two or three times, well, that would be a praise chorus. Okay, so we can all laugh at that, about the repetition in modern songs. But then uh, the story goes on the same week, a young businessman from the city who normally attended a church with you know contemporary uh, modern worship was in the old farmer's town and visited their church. He came home, his wife asked him, well, young man, uh, how was it? Uh, it was good. They did something different. They sang hymns instead of regular songs. And the wife said, well, what are hymns? And he said, well, they're okay. They're like regular songs, only different. Well, what's the difference? Well, it's like this. If I were to say to you, Mar Martha, the cows are in the corn, that would be a regular song. If on the other hand, I were to say, O Martha, dear Martha, hear thou my cry, inclinest thine ear to the words of my mouth, turn thou thy whole wondrous ear by and by to the righteous, inimitable, glorious truth. For the way of the animals who can explain there in their heads is no shadow of sense, hearkenest they in God's son or his reign, unless from the mild, tempting corn they are fenced. Yet those cows in glad bovine rebellious delight have broke free from their shackles, their warm pens eschewed. Then goaded by minions of darkness and night, they, they all my mild chili wax sweet corn have chewed. And it goes on. I'm not going to keep reading that. Then if I were to only do verses one, two, and four, that would be a hymn. So I think the humor in that for me is that these are style issues. These are style issues. You know what God's favorite song, kind of worship is? It's when you're worshiping him from your whole heart and not just in a service, but you live a lifestyle of worship. God is looking at our hearts. And so when we come together in worship, we're not trying to control someone else's worship, but we're trying to come together as one to focus on the goodness, the greatness, the glory of God. And so therefore in worship, <laughs> there should be, uh, it should reflect who God is. That's why there should be freedom in worship. That's why there should be joy in worship. You know, the Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There should be love because God is love. And so at the Connection Church, our style of worship, we say it's motivation, that you're motivated and, and to, you know, you, you want to live for God, you know, you, you get fired up, you're inspired, it's inspiration and it's application. That what we talk about on Sunday, we put into practice on Monday. In fact, right now, wherever you are, as you're listening to this, as you're watching this, think about this. We're worshiping together right now as we focus on the goodness of God. Now, let me go on to verse 33, the second half of 33. 
that says that we're getting into some controversial stuff. You've got to stick with me through this um, because uh, this is going to this is going to be a little controversial. But it says and we're dealing with this verse by verse. So we've got to deal with it. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people, women should remain silent in the churches. They're not allowed to speak, but in submission, as the law says, if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Now, if you don't, if we if we take this out of context of where it's setting in this passage, you know, um, it's easy to just say, well, women should just not speak. But uh, but the fact is, uh, you think about what he's talking about. He's talking about order in the service, order in the service, and not the chaos and all of this. And uh, so, if you don't understand also what's happening in the church, uh, <laughs> you know, you think about people, you know, talking. Uh, about what's happening or asking a question. And you might be picturing the husband and wife sitting beside each other, but that's not how they did it in the, uh, <laughs> in the, uh, the church back then in, in Corinth, uh, in particular, the men sat on one side and the women sat on the other side. Okay. So they were kind of segregated in that they had the women on one side of the church, the men on the other. And if somebody didn't understand what was going on, they would literally have to yell out, hey, <laughs> across the church, I don't get what's happening. Can you explain this to me? Right. And so in, there, there, there shouldn't be a disrespectful, interrupting speech in the church. And remember, Paul's dealing with order in worship. And um, I'm just thinking back to a time when I started pastoring. I was uh, leading the church in Luling, and we were having one of the very first worship services I went to. And <laughs> and uh, literally, I'm preaching, and there's this senior saint, this older woman, who starts yelling out in the middle of the sermon, Pastor Cole, Pastor Cole. Will you make an announcement about the Women's Missionary Union? You know, she's like interrupting while I'm talking. And uh, it's just a funny memory uh, about that. But, uh, you know, we kind of they kind of stopped doing that after after we got in the routine uh, of things. But, you know, in the church, in the New Testament church, the Bible talks about how men are to be pastors but women also preached in the New Testament. You see uh, in the Bible, Priscilla and Aquila, they were a ministry teaching team together. In Acts 21.9, it talks about how Philip, who was an evangelist, it says literally he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And as we said, that's, that's preaching, proclaiming the word of God. In uh, chapter 11, in 1 Corinthians even, Paul talks about a woman prophesying in a worship service. So remember, what he's it's not about can a woman uh, proclaim God's word. I'll tell you what, if it weren't for women in the church, faithful women, faithful ladies, um, teaching and carrying the gospel, I don't know where we would be today. And so we honor women um, in the church and we uplift women in the church. Um, but uh, Paul is talking about order 
in the service. And we all have to remember, it's not about us um, because people were just demanding their own rights. They were demanding their rights. And in, and so uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, back in that passage, Paul is talking about not demanding our own freedom because that keeps other people from hearing the good news. And that is immaturity. Um, now, you know, people, maybe they had a right to yell out in worship, but it's not about our rights. It's about thinking of others, putting them first, because we're accountable to each other when we worship. I want us to look at the rest of this passage in verse 36. It says, or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they're a prophet or otherwise gifted by the spirit, let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they will themselves be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And there are five accountabilities that this passage talks about right here. It says, first, we're accountable to God's word. See, we don't just make up what we want or the topics or, you know, hey, I think I want to talk about this. It's not that. We are accountable to teach the, the full counsel of the word of God, to not change the word of God. Um, and so so we're God's word directs us and guides us in our worship. The second accountability is that we're accountable to other believers around the world. It says, are you the only people it has reached. He says, are you the only people has reached? You think you're the only ones? And sometimes as Christians, we think it's just about us or even just about our church, but it's not just us. When, when one church or one, um, you know, celebrity Christian does something crazy, it reflects on the whole church, on Christians everywhere. And people, again, they point the finger and they say, oh, all Christians act like that. That's just like those Christians. And you want to say, no, they don't. They don't. We're, you know, we're not all crazy like that, but we are accountable to each other. And what I do affects what others do. The third accountability, he says, he says, I'm, I, I'm writing to you about the Lord's command. We're accountable to the Lord's command. Jesus is the head of the church. So it's not about my tastes, my personal taste. You know, even at the Connection Church, you know, we do a lot of things. They're not necessarily, you know, my favorite song or, uh, you know, things like that. We, we think of the whole, we think of God first and the whole of what is going to best build up the whole body of believers. And we submit those to God, the Lord's command. He commanded us to baptize, to go and baptize. So we're baptizing this Sunday. Uh, he commanded us to uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We call that communion as well, but the Lord's Supper. And so we're doing that tonight at first at, at night of worship. And and each time we have night of worship at our church, at the Connection Church, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Those are all a part of our worship. And we don't do those every week, but when we do, the word God's word instructs us on how to do that. God's word says that we should sing songs in worship. God's word says that we should give generously in worship. All of these things are worship, are aspects of worship. Uh, hearing God's word preached and proclaimed and living it out, all of those are the Lord's command. 
Now, the fourth accountability is we're accountable for the gifts we have. Okay, he talks about desiring these gifts. Uh, the gifts that we have that have been given to the local church, we want to utilize those and leverage those for the sake of the mission. And the gifts that we have make us unique. They give us a unique thumbprint as individuals, but as a church together. And we're accountable to order, <laughs> that there is a plan, that we're following a plan. And some people think, the less planned out you are, the more spiritual you are. Oh, we're just going to go with the flow and go with the Spirit. Well, who says God's Spirit can't direct you with a plan as you think through it? God works through a plan, and we seek God for that plan. Now, here's the deal. You can't change the plan. You can't be stuck in the plan without changing. You know, you've got to be free and flexible, but you can't change the plan until you have a plan, right? So you got to have a plan. And now I want to kind of drive this home just in closing, because many of us, if we look around, we look at the aspects of our life, there's a lot of chaos. You know, if we look at work, our home, we look at our car, maybe you're listening to this in the car right now, there's some chaos. If you always keep everything in order and you're super OCD, you know, you're an unusual person. but Imagine coming to a worship service if our worship service was just as chaotic and disorganized as those other areas of our life. What would be accomplished in worship and what good would we do? If we're in chaos, it soon becomes no worship at all because we can't focus on God. So Paul insisted that whatever we do to worship God, we should do it in an orderly way. And he says, you know, not only do we worship God, I mean, God is the audience of our worship. He's the focus of our worship, but we recognize that there are people involved, that we're aware of the other people. It's not just my personal worship, but we're coming together. And we forget that sometimes, that it's about us and there's power when we come together. Listen, even if we come together and we enjoy our worship, and we're singing loud, and we're giving thanks to God, and we feel personally good about the service and our worship, our worship still can fail to please God because uh, it's not just about doing these things with other people. We, we, can, we can come together with other people and be divided in our hearts from them. We can come together with other people and we cannot think about them and not talk with them. And we can do all these things without lifting or building up anyone else in the church. And so we have to be aware of the togetherness of worship because we belong together. And our worship must be directed not only at lifting up God, worshiping Him, but also encouraging and strengthening each other. You know, how many times do we evaluate the worship service? You know, like we're uh, Simon Cowell at American Idol or one of the judges at The Voice. And we say, how was the worship today? Well, the songs were pretty good. I like that song. I didn't like that song. The message, you know, I didn't really fall asleep or I didn't laugh too much or whatever. And it's all about kind of how we felt. We say, 
Oh, it just wasn't feeling it today. The real question, I mean, certainly it's good to feel it. We want you to feel it. But the bigger question is, did I encounter God today? Is it true? Is the truth being shared? Are people being impacted? Most of us need to change our mindset when it comes to worship, because we just determine whether it's good or not based on whether we enjoyed it. In fact, we even choose a church based on whether or not it's going to meet our own needs. Now, you want your needs to be met. I get it. That's important. But the focus is not enough on meeting our own needs because worship is good if it builds up the church as a whole by strengthening, building up all the members, all the attenders, all the people who are there and uniting them together in focusing on the greatness and the glory of God. I want us to just pause and I want us to pray for our services right now because worshiping is not just something that we have to do. It's not something we got to do. It's something we get to do. We get to be together and we get to be in God's presence. And so we want to remember that mindset as we worship together. So let's pray together for our worship together that we get to experience. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for each person who's listening. God, I pray that you help us, God, help us change our mindset on what is worship, that our worship is to strengthen one another, to be about considering one another, and, and, and help us to um, have worship that reflects who you are, God, your love, your freedom, your joy, and um, just your character. We thank you, God. We pray that many, many lives will be changed through our worship together. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you real soon. Be sure to share this and uh, have a blessed week. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.